Hello, Brad here. Just to say we're super proud that the Friday 5pm podcast is sponsored by the Malt Miller, the UK's best home brew store. We use the Malt Miller for all of our homebrew experiments, as well as tapping them up for advice and binging on their awesome YouTube channel all the time. That's why whenever we release a homebrew video, we put a recipe kit live on the Malt Miller, so you can brew with the exact same amazing ingredients that we did. The same ingredients used by pro brewers. So alongside the Malt Miller's nitro-flushed hops, cold-stored yeast and milled-to-order malts, you can pick up recipe kits for our Five Points Best Bitter, Russian River West Coast IPA, and now the fastest beer in the world, a hazy session IPA that goes from grain to glass in less than 48 hours. Sign up to their newsletter at tinyurl.com forward slash maltmiller to get 5% off your first order. With the Malt Miller's amazing customer service and Johnny's 48-hour recipe, you could order the ingredients on a Monday and be drinking the beer by the weekend. Speaking of which, it's Friday. It's 5pm. So enjoy this week's Friday 5pm podcast. It's Friday, it's 5pm, you've made it to the weekend. I hope there's a beer or a cider or something alcoholic in your glass. Um, Bradley, we've we've had a big week. Mate. I haven't. I've hardly left my animation dungeon all week. It's been. Uh, Wait, you've you've built a dungeon well, when, for, for animation. When I say now. dungeon, I don't have a. I don't have the luxury of a broodio in my back garden. So, I work in my bedroom. <laughs> I work in my bedroom along with my girlfriend. So she's. I, I mean, I I I, I want to get away from the dungeon metaphor as quickly <laughs> as possible. Then, it's uh, you know, it's fine. I've I've always had my desk home sort of desk set up in my bedroom. But now I've got a co-worker as well uh, who's who's quite loud and she's got the loudest mechanical keyboard ever. Um, I, I even remember we've done some shoots at your house where we've heard oh, the the mechanical keyboard. Th- like you can the hear floor. the keys and you can hear it through the floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, she's got some... She types with fervor. Mate, she's got some, some determination in the typing. I don't know what's going on, but <laughs> it's very clicky, clicky, clacky, clicky, clacky. So yeah, it's been in. Yeah, I don't want to be on the end of those emails. They've probably got a lot of <laughs> a lot of fire. In oh them. yeah, oh yeah, uh, fire and spelling mistakes. She's also dyslexic like myself. <laughs> so uh, yes, but uh, so I've been I've been animating all week for any exciting projects. You've been uh, editing all week for the same exciting project. Yeah, it's um, it's it's been an unusual one in that we we had already said to ourselves a couple of months ago, Brad and I sat down and we looked at everything that we were doing, like this big secret project, all the other stuff we want to do this year, and we were like, let's not take on any more big <laughs> projects because this is too much. And then Darren, the owner of Siren, called me and talked about the concept of time hops, and I said. Like he said, I want you to make like a video that tells the story of the craft beer revolution through hops, and I was like, "Yes, Darren." It's hard to turn um, it down. It's such a cracking idea. It's such an amazing idea to yeah to trace the the origins of of modern craft brewing through uh, the five hops that sort of created it. So I said yes, and then about a week later, I had a freak out and called him and said, "We can't do it," <laughs> and he talked me round. <laughs> Yeah, and here we are having produced what is essentially a feature-length documentary in about three weeks. Yeah, pretty nutty, 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 nutty. All and that sort of like around shooting our biggest documentary ever, sort of traveling all over the country, yeah. and you having a uh, rearing a small child, and me doing my own exploits into 
whatever I do on a on a non non craft beer channel sort of uh, lifestyles. Uh, yeah, man, it's been busy. It's been very, very, very hot, very busy. Um, yeah, it's been it's been a bit much. So I apologise to our Discord uh, friends who probably haven't heard a lot from Brad or me yeah. uh, of late. This this is the reason. And so yes, the the video is it's actually I didn't I didn't realise this. It's being premiered tonight. Oh, to the uh, investors into Siren, so the Crowdcube investors that that put money in a couple of years ago. So they're seeing it first tonight, and Darren's presenting that. And then tomorrow, I'm going down to the Time Hops Festival in Reading, where the four beers that they brewed for that documentary, which are all based on uh, classic beers that presented these amazing hops. So they've been almost, not collaborations, but paying homage and, and working with uh, Russian River, The Alchemist, Sierra Nevada, and Bear Republic. Cracking. And those beers will be released at that festival, and I'll be doing a Q&A and showing the film. Amazing. I won't be joining so you. So I hope cause... anybody's listening is going is, is going to come yeah. see the film, because I realise sitting down and watching a film during a beer festival seems a bit weird, but it's going to be worth it, because it's good, isn't it, Bradley? It's come it's out bloody, pretty well. It's pretty fantastic, mate. The access to such luminary figures that have basically kick-started the American new wave of craft beer. So I'm going sort of new wave of British heavy metal from the 80s, but new wave of craft beer. So I don't know what the new... What's the uh, acronym for that? N-W-O-B. New wave of... New wave of craft beer. You missed out the, the C. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> this is this is painful. NWCB. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. So that's that. That's what it was. These are all the these are all the heavy hitters from the hop growers that are responsible for like developing these hops back in the day through to the absolute stalwarts that have made classic, life changing beers that are still well beating or like massively influential and still incredible so it's it's just brilliant no one else has done anything quite like this and it's i think it's really exciting yeah and i really wish we could have had more time with it and been able to travel to to the breweries rather than doing i was doing zoom interviews a couple of times a week to put all of this together and very kindly a lot of the breweries and the the hot growers were filming at their end with with better better equipment so it it still looks great sounds great but it you know we weren't there exploring um and it, you know it's a concept that i think has legs you know there's lots more hops we could do this for and, and i wonder if we can team up with siren to to do a bit more and, and do this this concept justice because it's, it's pretty amazing and the stories the stories in the documentary are great but there's so many stories that are on the cutting room floor now because we couldn't fit it into the, the sort of the narrative so i mean if you're going to interview john kimmich from the alchemist you know you're going to get a load of stuff you can't actually use so we'll have to try and find a way somewhere we can put all the interesting stuff that he said mostly about how he hates hazy new or, or new england ipa now <laughs> which is always gold to listen to but there's lots of other stuff in there and the same with with ken grossman as well there was lots of stuff that we couldn't quite squeeze in there about you know the homebrew shop that he ran before he started sierra nevada and all this kind of stuff that that i mean has been told but maybe not been told in the context of of this kind of documentary so it's going to be great uh yeah it's airing tomorrow but then in about two weeks time it will go live on the craft beer channel the reason for that is that we haven't tasted the beers yet and that's going to be the final scene in the documentary so that we, we we will taste that next week or the week after and then insert that into the film and release the the YouTube edition, whereas currently we've only got a festival edition. Amazing. So yeah, we've we've got that 
uh, we were working on all of that this week while also doing our video, which we'll get to. Then um, on Tuesday, I'm launching, I mean, it's not my next book. It's a book I collaborated on called World's Greatest Beers, which is a listicle book for camera in which I was one of eight uh significantly more esteemed writers the likes of roger Protz and pete brown uh john hull joe stonge lots of amazing people have contributed to this all selecting their 30 favorite beers in the world and we all have like a, a section of the book where we make our pitch for those beers uh the alchemist feature treehouse feature in mine uh somebody else nicks pilsner raquel but i managed to get uh Titsia in there um, so you you i was yes. gonna say like did you fight, have fights over who was gonna get which beers like did you did you have to oh there was there was serious like yeah, trade-offs yeah, yeah, yeah it was like top trumps. you know i i gave away some pretty strong beers to get allagash white nice well i would a lot of the american the two american writers wanted that one i would say you probably did well whatever you exchanged that for was a wise choice um what what i think i think i gave away pilsner raquel for oh, it man. i think okay yeah okay i'm questioning i'm questioning yeah but um but claire, claire bullen took pilsner cow she's done a great job with it so it's all good nice what did you choose from treehouse was it julius yes pick julius it's my still my favorite beer by them i think it's the sort of yeah, the best balance yeah. and it's also when you're trying to select the greatest beers in the world you know probably the the absolute greatest new england ipa might just be a one-off you know we didn't want to put one-offs in there because it's like hey you can't drink this anymore. Mm. So, well, you know, the greatest beer ever brewed, probably only a couple of thousand people tasted and probably didn't realise that they were. So really it's also about the cultural impact of these beers. And Julius is, you know, it's in in sort of the the line of, of amazing life-changing beers. You, you go sort of Sierra Nevada, then maybe Pliny the Elder, then you go probably Alchemist Heady Topper. And I think Julius is probably the next in that kind of line for sort of impact on the ipa scene you've just made me for the second time in a week johnny think about um tenacious d uh and they've got that song the greatest song in the world or whatever but i was just thinking about that song in the world yeah i was just thinking about that in terms of the greatest beer in the world because you you sent me something interesting yesterday which had a sort of very death metal tinge to it which i don't know who we, can, <laughs> we won't divulge but something like something interesting is coming to a video soon which made me chuckle like no other uh thing <laughs> it panned out so well i really didn't think that it would work that well but yeah there's going to be some proper laughs i think in uh-huh. maybe next week's episode or the week after i can't I, quite remember what our schedule is but there's there's a, a golden moment I think you might have a new career it sounded that good I mean, it was. We're talking like <laughs> half a second. No, maybe a second and a half's audio. But I was like, "Fuck, that's great. It's really accurate <laughs> to that sort of genre uh, for an on-the-spot thing." I was like, "Damn, that's impressive." So yeah, good pipe. Okay, good we'll, pipe. We'll see. We'll have to see if any death metal aficionados agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's death but or we'll, black. We'll, we'll I suppose out. it's like Norwegian black metal. Maybe death metal was. I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. But yeah, good stuff. Yeah, it's 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 screaming. That that's what it. Well, it's not screaming. No. I think it's called pig. Technically, yeah, it's, it's called pig. It's like voice. a sort of real necro kind of. Like, oh, I can't do it. You can do it better. But yeah, go on, do a bit. This summer, I'm going to be hosting talks at the Manchester, Bristol and London Craft Beer Festivals, giving festival goers the chance to attend tutored tastings, rare beer pours, meet the brewers and even guided tours of the bars. 
These three festivals are the highlights of my events calendar, featuring some of the world's best breweries with delicious restaurant pop-ups, great music, and a really welcoming party atmosphere. It's the third year I've been hosting the We Are Beer Tastings table, but for the first time, I'm delighted to offer all of our listeners, viewers, and Patreons £5 off a ticket when you use the code CBC5. Just hit the link in the description to buy. See you there. You want me to do a bit yeah, now? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't tell know me about, my voice G- tell me about uh, Julius. <laughs> <laughs> the best shirt for beer in the world. Know <laughs> that? Yeah, man. That's called Pig, is it? Right, amazing. They did. Yeah, I'm okay. pretty sure that's called Pig. Cha- if I remember from my team, channeling the pig. Yeah, I don't really know why it's called Pig. Yeah. Uh, maybe somebody in, in who's listening to to this can can let us know. There, there does seem to be a bit of a a, a, a Venn diagram where the mm. circles intersect yeah, of, yeah. of beer and heavy metal. Definitely. It's a definite subsect of craft beer and heavy metal lovers, which I I sort of fall into. I do love a bit of heavy music, but it's not the majority of what I listen to because it's deeply antisocial and my wife hates it. Yeah, yeah. We did meet when we were in Arctic Norway. We did get to meet a genuine. Uh, mm. Norwegian death metaler who had a band and he knew all the guys that were in Mayhem. Did he say he knew the guys that were in Mayhem? The, you know, they like one of them killed the other member and all this kind of stuff, and they were burning churches and it was like wild shit. He knew. See, the, when, when we when we go on beer trips, I walk away remembering exact exactly what hops were in beers or what process they used or how long they lagered a beer for. You walk away remembering. <laughs> How many members of Mayhem were killed and how many <laughs> members of the place knew those people? Yeah. Uh yeah, he knew he knew Mayhem, which is wild. But uh, I think his name was oh, fuck, what was his name? Ol- uh, I can't remember. That's embarrassing, I can't remember. Super nice guy. He worked in an old people's home taking care of old people. Which He did. I do remember that. Yeah. He's really That is amazing. He's yeah. like ne- never never make assumptions based on people's music taste. No man, he is super mild and he, he I think he was his, he was a musician in his own right. He made melodic what did he call it? It was like like not medieval, but it was it was like kind of medieval black metal. So it had like lots of violins and weird stuff on it. Um yeah, maybe maybe slightly medievally. But yeah, it was, it was interesting. Interesting guy. We're getting into fever dream territory again here where we're, I'm not quite sure whether what you're saying is true, but there'll be video evidence if it is. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> let's let's um, let's move this podcast, uh, move this podcast along. Uh, I We've talked about time hops. We've talked about the book launch. It's video time, I guess. Oh, yeah. This is a banger. Oh, yeah. You made a banger. So, yeah, the, a juicy banger. Exactly. 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 Yeah. So this was the finale of our trio of videos all about brewing a juicy double IPA New England style using Motueka and Amarillo to try to create a margarita vibe. And, I mean, the the, the, the dry hopping bit was interesting. Uh, we had lots of comments on people explaining how cryo works, which is great. Uh, I don't know how accurate it is. I'm going to keep doing research because I'd love to know how cryo hops are, are, are produced by the different producers of it. But the interesting thing was what happened when we, we took it to an expert to taste, wasn't it? Yeah, it was It was certainly interesting um, slash embarrassing. We were, we were we got <laughs> hanging out with uh, Ollie uh, Webb, the owner and uh, head honcho at Dig Bruco in Digbuff, uh, just outside of Birmingham, or just a part of Birmingham, actually, I believe Digbuff. 
And uh, yeah, a suburb of it, I think. Isn't I don't it? know if you call it. Could you call it a suburb? It's it's very. It's sort of like an old industrial quarter. So there's like lots of light industrial units, and lots yeah. of lots and lots of like really amazing sort of like Bushwick Brooklyn style uh, dive bar sort of like warehouse hangout places where sort of like young people go to open up sort of dream sort of venues. Kind of looks a bit. I imagine there's some pretty good raves and stuff going on down there, of a, of a, of an <laughs> evening and of a morning and of a next day sort of situation. But yeah, we took uh, we took him some beer that he brewed uh, and then uh, left unceremoniously in the back of a car on like the hottest week of the year so far at that point. And it, you... yeah, I mean that beer was was at thirty to thirty five degrees quite frequently, yeah. and I don't really know what I was thinking, Brad. To be honest, I mean I was desperate because we needed to film you tasting it, yeah, yeah, and we were on the road. So, but yeah, I don't have a fridge in my car. No, which, you know that could that could be a video in doing that. Yeah, but yeah I mean you got one. amazing aircon where when we were in it, it kind of felt like a fridge, but when we were out of it, it was hotter than yeah. the, the surface of the sun because you've 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 got a black car, so it's it gets real hot um it does yeah but anyway um yeah it was it was interesting i i obviously it didn't taste great johnny at that point but (laughs) i thought ollie was very diplomatic about his answers and probably was able you know of his experience to look past some of the the hard life that the beer had had since it had uh been living in the back of your car and pull out some positive comments which i thought was lovely i think i think brewers have to be like you say very diplomatic because a you know they have to support other breweries so when they go visit or do collabs or whatever it is they've got to be very nice about other people's beers yeah and b they're probably handed a lot of homebrew by over enthusiastic customers true like us true so they've probably he's probably learned that you've you've got to you've got to give them something to hang on to mm-hmm. and i feel like that's kind of what you did in that video he was like yeah this beer's dead but you know underneath underneath it's all right yeah and underneath it was all right because when i got home the keg was was still delicious had a bit of hot burn still and wasn't quite as margaritary as i was hoping but yeah the the keg was delicious and those bottles were absolutely screwed mm. um which could have been, yeah, like like I said in the video, could have been an addendum to the the Jaipur experiment that I did, because that was cooked beyond any of the ones that I tasted there, and those you could pick out in a blind taste test. So, just trying to give you a, an idea bit, of how bad that bit beer tasted: taste. hop creep, oxidation, completely cooked. Yeah, I think um, another reason why he was able to sort of do that that process where he was, you know, I could see the positive in it. He went to art school like myself. So we have this, we uh, art school used to have this process of like critting and like looking at people's work, other people's work, looking at your own work and like analysing it, but in like not a kind of bashing way, but in a supportive way. So I think that's maybe why he was able to do that, which I really appreciate. I thought it's quite a different approach, which is I think the same with a lot of everything that Dig do. It's very DIY aesthetic, like the whole place they've mm. kind of like built themselves, which is really cool. And um, you can see it's sort of a singular vision of an artist, which I very much appreciate. But anyway, uh, hopefully we'll... Yeah, it was a super cool location. Mm. We'll definitely go back there and do, do a feature on them because 
you know, I haven't drunk much Dig beer. Mm. Uh, and so I was very excited to go because I, I love the branding and you talking so highly of Ollie when you met him and was very pleased to find that the beer was excellent as well. Yeah. But what, what was what was also interesting is um, when we were chatting to Ollie off camera, I think, by by that point. So on camera, he says, you know, we, we've dumped a beer. We've had these discussions before about, you know, beers that didn't quite turn out as we wanted. Do we ship them out and hope for the best? Do we ship them to certain places where the people might not be quite so discerning or do we do we dump it? And I think certainly for Dig, usually the answer is, is to, you know, dump it. Uh, to yeah to dump and to to move on but it did start a very interesting discussion about particularly in this financial climate what should breweries do because it's already incredibly hard for them we're already adding in some cases tens of thousands of pounds to their utility bills as a result of of blatant profiteering by the energy companies in in a moment of of global crisis so yeah, it was interesting. I've never sort of had that discussion with a lot of sympathy for the brewer. Like in my head, it's always been you dump the beer if it's not good enough. But mm. it, as always, it's it's kind of more nuanced than that. Big time. I mean, it, you know, a lot of these breweries as well, they're quite small operations where they're reliant on every batch selling to sort of pay, pay like utility bills, pay for all the materials to the next batch, pay for all distribution, advertising, you know getting the beers out there in the world, whatever it might be. Uh, and I, I feel, yeah, it's 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 not brave to dump your beer. It's kind of, I think it's the most sensible choice because it's not worth putting a bad beer out there. But it must it must really hurt when you're, you know, potentially struggling to um, mm. just literally, it's like pouring, it's pouring money down, down the sink, isn't it, essentially? Which is, uh, I mean, yeah, mate. Yeah, I guess the argument is that the, the money's already down it's the already sink down if it's not sink, tasting yeah. great because, you know, the mo- you know, beer has huge value to breweries, but actually their reputation exactly. is just as valuable because that because you're only ever going to drink one beer once, pretty much, because we're producing so many different beers as breweries. What you've got to do is make sure that your reputation is intact so you can make the next sale. You're not going to create loyalty. You you just got to make other people want it which is a bit of an issue in the beer industry. It is very FOMO-led, but it does mean that you're probably better off... You know, a better investment is giving a beer to somebody that will talk about it than making somebody who won't talk about it pay for it, if that makes sense. Big time, big time. Oh, yeah, just another shout-out. It is now the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham. and Sure is. Ollie... I hope they sorted out the fucking driving. Well, yeah. Ollie has got a, um, a pop-up bar in Birmingham Town Centre. I believe it's near the library or something so it's like the big like the big bit where a lot of the um the events for the games are happening so they've got a pop-up dig brew bar if you happen to find yourself right. at the commonwealth games um yeah 100 percent go see dig big time big time uh yeah. you got any comments did you Johnny, did you find any oh comments? yeah i, I oh, got comments yeah you go first <laughs> so i've got one from michael anderson he said i i'll still waiting for youtube to invent smell a video that beer looks bang on. Cheers. Um, it did look bang on, Johnny. The colour was was great. Um, I mean, I got to try it later when we met Kyle and I thought it was tasting incredible. Um, so thank you. I had another comment. Did, did, go on. Did, did, wait, 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 wait. I want to go back to Smell-O-Vision. As somebody who is obsessed with TV, mm. has has Smell-O-Vision ever come close? I swear I remember, like, like 
the Radio Times or something one day, like giving out like scratch pads for a TV show and you'd scratch it. E- oh, interesting. Or maybe thing. it was a wine show or something and you could scratch the pads and, and see what they were smelling well, or something. Yeah. Is, is anything like... Scratch and sniff is a is a thing, isn't it? I think, um, do you know Bombus and Par? Do you know that there's these people as an yes. organization? They do, I think they do like mm. event sort of stuff where they, you know, they really play with your senses. And I've got a feeling that they might have done some sensory stuff where you're maybe watching something, but you're eating stuff and you're smelling things. It's it's going to take someone like Bombus and Pa or like Heston Blumenthal, uh, you know, uh, molecular gastronomy type people to to sort of simulate it. But, what I, you know, all I'm thinking of, anything coming close that's in technology right now is like fucking vapes, mate, that smell of popcorn and all these other like mad things that people inhale. Um, you could almost mm. imagine setting up a sort of vaporized water um, that, that blows out different sort of smells in a cinema or something. But I don't know. I don't know if everyone's yeah. actually commercially. There, there will be someone developing it, no doubt. It's probably pornography disturbingly, Johnny, because they often lead the way in oh, technology. No. But it's probably something disgusting. Yeah, I mean, it's weirdly true, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? But um, I, I don't, I don't want to combine no, smell of vision no, with that. No, no. I'd rather, I'd rather smell the, the, you know, tire rubber and smoke oh, and yeah. all that kind okay. of stuff in an action so movie. Maybe that's, it's, that's kind of more what may, I was thinking. Maybe it's Vin Diesel is developing it for Fast <laughs> and the Furious tw- 10 or whatever <laughs> up to. Got to find another way to make the next one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, on a slightly different tangent, I had another comment from John Parry, who, this is a bit of a sort of technical question, said, would the new Kegland hot bong fit on your fermenter? So I, I had a little Google of hot bong, so I was like, that's piqued my interest. It's the first time Brad's ever Googled some homebrew equipment. <laughs> not the first time, not the first time. But certainly I was like, oh, hot bong sounds interesting. It literally looks like a bong that you, you just put on the top of the uh, the keg, I'm presuming, and, um, yeah. and then drop hops in or something. And then smoke. Yes, yeah, so you smoke can put it, the hops maybe, in, purge it of C, purge it with CO two, yeah. and then drop the hops in. Yeah. So it avoids any oxidation either through just getting in through the holes or through you know literally dragging them down with the hops, which which you know definitely can be an issue, particularly in small batches. So unfortunately, it doesn't fit on the top of the grandfather. No. I don't think, but there's probably a way that you could bodge it, rig it for up sure. Somehow. I bet Malt Miller would have something that would 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 help with that. But yeah, I mean, it's an interesting product. It's certainly an interesting looking product. Um, I, I would say that it's not necess- necessarily necessary. Yes, terrible yes, phrasing yes, yes. for for homebrew because hopefully you're going to drink it super fresh. And I'm already I'm probably halfway through the dipper. I might need some help from you next time you're over. But yeah, bloody hell, halfway it's not going to last already. more than a couple of weeks. Amazing. And um, oh yeah, well I've been bottling and cooking them in the back of my car, haven't oh, I? Oh yeah, of course you got you've got to you've got to keep some uh, pristine. Um, <laughs> yeah, it just this top bong reminds me of like years ago i remember there was this sort of thing where you'd see at bars when they were like we're a craft beer bar all of a sudden they would have uh this thing which i can only presume is pretty gimmicky where they'd have like a glass uh sort of vial in in the sort of um kegging uh, sorry the uh, the dispensing system with hops in it and you could like put flush the beer through hops 
as you were pouring that it. That was a brew dog thing, wasn't I, it? I can't. No, I don't think it was. I think we saw it. Didn't we see it in Brew London? Is it called Brew London or whatever that used to be? Oh, it was. It was at a festival. Yeah. I think they were doing it with a brew dog beer. Was that's it? what I'm thinking. Oh, but yeah, it was yeah. sort of. I think they had them in some brew dog bars as, as well where you could infuse. Yeah, like they, like they were putting like fruits in it. It's pretty wacky. All kinds of different stuff. I haven't thought about that in years. It's yeah, like it didn't really work. It must be bloody expensive well. as well, and and like non, like very non-consistent because like mm. that's going to get manky, presumably. Or you know, how often are they putting in very expensive hot pellets or bits of fruit or whatever it is? Like, I just it just seems like it's rife for disaster. Um, yeah, well, it didn't last, did it? So no, no. Proof was in the pudding. Yeah, yeah. But I, it, it, this product reminded me of that, and I, that was that was mm. the one where we, well, I nearly destroyed the Lagunitas stand um, several times from being absolutely battered, and we both lost our cameras at it, and then had to go and pick them up the next day. Surprisingly, someone had handed them in. <laughs> there are good. There are good people in the beer industry. Crazy. Just uh... crazy. Surrounded by idiots. Yeah, yeah. So that's like us as that well. That was uh, that was an eventful evening. Um, but yeah, man. What have you? What sort of comments? Have... But we can't. We can't. We can't blame the weird hop cannon thing. No. Well, maybe. Um, maybe that was it. Maybe we had too much hop cannon business going on. <laughs> and it blew our minds. Could be. Uh, my comment this week doesn't actually come from this week's video. Oh, go on. It. So we we also had a big week in the fact that we've gone semi-viral again. So the American macro video yes. kicked off. Yes. It's it's now over 200,000 views. And we had a comment from Ren, R-E-H-H-N. And uh, and he said, oh, sounds like Jeff's uh, piping up. Oh, yeah, you can hear her. Yeah, she's, just, she's like a little yeah. parrot. She's just sat by my side at the moment. <laughs> on your shoulder like a pirate. Well, she, she like, sits sort of very close to my arm, but like a, like a parrot, but not on my shoulder. She's a bit big for that now. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yes, sorry. Anyway, Rain says, in your opinion, why is the American palate so watered down and why are the commercial beers so weak? Do they really think that's why the majority of... Con- Do they really think that's what the majority of consumers want to drink? Which was an interesting question for many, many reasons. The first one is obviously that the American palate is actually has lots of very refined drinkers when it comes to beer it is probably the the home of 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 great beer around the world certainly the most diverse brewing scene but yes the commercial beers and also the commercial beers are pretty good compared to the uk ones i mean if you compared a lot of those ones that i drank in that video to say fosters carling you you'd probably be pleasantly surprised but there is this kind of trend for light beer Mm. so the the miller light the bush light the bud light that i drank in that video and I was racking my brain trying to think, why why is light beer so popular in America? And I think the, the first thing is that they had, and I say had, a le- less of an understanding of what great lager looked like because they didn't have that brewing heritage. That brewing heritage was brought over from Europe, not necessarily by people that also fully understood what it was. So that's, you know, Budweiser, when it was brought over from, um, what's his face's, Adolf Bush's, was it Adolf Bush? Adolphus Bush, yeah. Um, his his journeys through Bohemia came back and went, I'm going to start a lager brewery. And he did many amazing things, uh, like pioneering, I think, pasteurization and ice trucks and helped building the railways to get his beer out there fresher and stuff. But the beer itself was never uh, that close, I don't think, to the, the great Bohemian lagers that would have been around at that time um, in Central Europe. So you start from a bad base 
and then I think in America there's a lot of obsession. In the UK, we we're really worried about sugar, carbs, fats. I think in America they're not really worried about sugar or fats. They're worried about carbs only. Um, mm. And these light beers are lower carb, lower calorie. And I think that people just want to get drunk for for as little carb as possible. Even though car- you know carbohydrates, sure they might make you fat, but they're a pretty healthy way to consume energy. So I don't really know what that's what that's about but it has resulted in these in these light beers and i think it's the same reason that seltzer is now incredibly popular because it's zero carb low calorie way of 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 uh getting a little bit tipsy inebriated whereas over here we're we're more interested in i think in calories which is why like slimline tonics and stuff like that are more popular yeah it's a fair point that's a fair point man and also do we think a lot of traditionally a lot of these beers are like consumed uh on mass like at like cookouts and things like that and sort of like i just don't feel like sort of keg you know like having parties and just like a you know you've got your cooler just full of sort of quite non-offensive uh watery beers because people have driven over to you and uh naughty naughty don't do that but you know it's sort of like well like, a kind uh... of like cultural thing of people drinking at home or maybe like you know weekends at the beach and all this sort of maybe that's just my but i mean all that happened that all happens around the world you know True. in germany it's all drunk on mass at parties with cookouts and and in beer gardens like i think i think it goes back to this idea of, of like starting from a bad base and and not yeah. necessarily understanding the joy of well-made lager. and it's i guess it's so, just uh, you know the the uh, it's the big it's like what could the big companies get away with right so over time it probably tasted better in the 60s and earlier but then it just they were like how do we cut how do we increase profit how do we cut the you know margins and use less yeah i guess there's something to be said for um for uh prohibition yeah having a play because prohibition would have knocked knocked out most of the breweries that were in the u.s And so when the ones that survived that, you know, thinned the herd, almost like a monopoly situation where you've only got a couple of hundred breweries for a country that size and maybe they could get away with a bit more blatant watering down of products, of flavours, of, of costs perhaps. And that, that's where that kind of yeah. kind of came from, which happened to some extent in the UK after World War One, when, you know, we had to ration farming ingredients in World War Two again as well and ABVs started to drop and all, all this kind of stuff happened that had a real effect on beer culture and maybe it just had a worse effect in the US. It's the government, man. It's the government. They did it. They did <laughs> the it. government, man. Always yeah, goes back yeah, to the yeah. goddamn it's government. The government big state, man. It's the big state. That's what it was. I hate it. That's what it was. It probably was. It probably was. <laughs> After Prohibition, they were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't make beer that damn tasty. You've got to take it down a notch. Make it less tasty. Otherwise, people, are, they won't work as hard. Just take it down a notch, guys, and they, you know. What I, I mean, the opposite happened in the UK, where they yeah. were like, "You, you've, you, you need to stop drinking gin, everybody. We need to drink more beer <laughs> yeah. because it's ruining." Well, they claimed it was ruining society. Was I ruined. don't know whether that was quite true. Yeah, I think yeah. it was alarmist nonsense. No, I don't think it. I don't but think it was. It, have you like the rakes progress? Have you ever? Have you ever sort of looked into those? Uh, I think they're called the rakes progress. There's like a series of tableaus of like. Um, I can't even remember what era it's from. What era is 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 Mother's Ruin and all that? The kind of Gin Alley and everything. Are you, yeah, you're thinking of Gin 
Gin Lane and Beer Street. Yeah. Those drawings. Yeah. Yeah, that's, Is that that's right? what I'm thinking Which of. Which I, th I think were 19th century, maybe, yeah, I think it was 19th century and it was warning people of the dangers of gin. But I think that was all alarmist nonsense, I think. Yeah, I mean, gin, well, they, they changed the taxes to make gin significantly more expensive. And as far as I can tell, they thought that that sort of solved the problem. I'd love to hear from a beer historian. There are some great beer history podcasts. Maybe we could reach out to them and go, was it alarmist or was it... Was it a legitimate thing that needed changing? Or was it, often happens in the, in these kind of industries, was it like the beer marketing board going, hey, yeah. to the government, well, we'll give you some money if you say gin's bad? I'm thinking of... Or whatever it was. I'm thinking of A Rake's Progress by William Hogarth, an 18th century English artist, uh, which were a, a series of eight paintings in the 18th century, um, which the series shows the decline and fall of Tom Rakewell, the spendthrift son, an heir of a rich merchant who comes to London, wastes all his money on luxurious living, prostitution, gambling, uh, and as a consequence is imprisoned in the Fleet Prison and ultimately Bethlehem Hospital. Um, oh. Yeah, the paintings are in the John Soane's Museum, which is where I've seen them, which is an amazing little weird museum in, in London, in, in like a house. It's a very, it's a very fine house, but it's in like a sort of terraced house with incredible, just an incredible collection of of, of artwork from uh, that sort of period. Please go and, and go and check it out. Like it's it's a, a phenomenal thing. Like they've got paintings which you you kind of like they're on like these sort of moving walls, and then you you can like pull them out, and there are paintings behind the moving walls. Uh, and paintings on the back of the doors, and they're like it's like a mad sort of MC Escher type building of of art. But yeah, Rake's Progress. I yeah, with like gin. I, I don't, maybe I'm getting two things mixed up, but there's definitely no, no. I, I think they're separate things. Now that I'm looking at yeah, the Rake's yeah. Progress, but of, of of a theme. Clearly, it was um, yeah uh, a bit of a motif back then. Mm. Yeah, sorry, I'm looking at it as well. Um, it is not what I'm thinking of. But also interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of the one where there's like literally, there's like a little little lady who's just she's just off her tits from. Yeah, from yeah, you're like thinking gym. of Beer Street. Beer oh, I think it's the same artist. It probably is. It's like a Hogarth type scene. They're like. Do you know this must be very frustrating for people at home because there'll be people that know exactly what we're talking art about. Historians. I mean, uh, like I went to bloody art school. I just can't remember. This is my. It is, it is by Hogarth. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Right, there we Beer go. Street and Gin Lane. It is there by Hogarth. Oh, so, there we go. Right, awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Same guy, different works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, you, I hope you've learned something at home. We, we've learned something. This podcast just became all about me and Brad educating yeah. ourselves. But hey, that's pretty much what the Craft Beer Channel's been as well. So yeah, that's all we've got time for. I mean, that's more than we had time for this week. We're pushing 40 minutes. But I hope you've, <laughs> you've enjoyed this ramble. We will be uh, back. Well, if you're at Time Hops, I'll see you tomorrow. Otherwise, we'll be back on Wednesday with a video with Kyle from Corehammer. Um, and if you're at GBBF on Tuesday, come say, hey, I'll be launching the book. And then on Thursday, we continue the filming of our secret project. And maybe maybe next week we'll, we'll work out when we can announce it mm. rather than just being these annoying annoying podcasters you know it could be it could be nothing you know as far as as the listeners know so it's not but it it could be 
Um, so we need to we need to work out what we're going to do about that. So we'll we'll let you know next week, maybe, probably not, but maybe, but maybe, but probably not. The Bubble and Friday 5 p.m. podcasts are brought to you by the nerds behind YouTube's Craft Beer Channel. You can watch over 400 mini documentaries at youtube.com slash thecraftbeerchannel. And if you love what we do, support us via Patreon and get access to merchandise and our amazing Discord forum, a positive and welcoming space for everyone who loves beer, food and homebrewing. Love and beer. Love and beer.